This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Good morning. This is Talking Devils, the leading independent Manchester United podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Barton, joined by Manchester United legend Paul Parker and United support Dave Murphy to talk over a mixed week for United. Some good, some bad. How are you doing, Paul? You all right? Yeah, I'm fine, thank you very much. Uh, and and David, how are you doing? Yeah, yeah, doing well. It's it's been a good weekend. So yeah, we don't we don't get to say that too often this summer or this season so far. So yeah. Yeah. Um, if you're watching live on YouTube or, or Facebook, feel free to comment and get your questions in. We do repl- reply as well if you comment on the replay. If you're watching on YouTube, please like please subscribe, please share where you can. Really appreciate that. If you are listening back later on the audio podcast, please give us a subscription on that platform and leave a a review. If you can on the platform you listen on, really appreciate that. The reviews really help us out, so um, would really appreciate if you do that. Um, Just before we came on air, the lads were absolutely destroying me because I I had a really good week last week, you know, um, it started with the airing of True Genius, which I didn't know was on. I got a message from Paul, like, telling me, like, you know, well done and everything. I was like, made up. well, first of all, I didn't know what I'd done to deserve such a nice message. Well done for what? Living. Um, turns out the film was on, and I was like, oh, that, that's nice, which was good because, you know, obviously it was before United played, and, and BT, well, obviously BT moved into TNT now, and they usually do that. With when United play European games, so it's like it just caught me off guard. But um, it was a nice little build up because it's obviously 60 years since George Best made his debut. And on Thursday, we went to the Association of Former United Players dinner, which was in George's honor. Um, I was a massive honor and privilege because I was on the 68 winners table. Brian Kidd was there, Alex Stepney was there, um, Paddy Creran, obviously. We were with Callum on the table. Really funny story before, just as we're approaching into the ground, a car pulls up and someone's lost. They don't know how to get in. My wife goes over and talks to them. It turns out to be Mike Summerby, Manchester City legend. She doesn't have any idea who it is. She jumps in the car with him. And so like they've just disappeared somewhere. He's, she's obviously directing him into the other car park to be able to park for the event. And just comes trotting over this bridge with Mike. Some of these, like, I had to tell her later who it was. 
but he was sat on our table as well. And it, like to be fair, he was, he was dead nice, and he was obviously um, George Best's um, best friend for a long time. Um, I think George was his best man at the wedding, and in the sixties or seventies. So um, it, obviously, it was emotional for him to be there as well. Um, really nice turnout. Everyone celebrating George. Some nice speeches in there as well, and um, yeah, nice tribute to um, the greatest player that ever lived. And um, the lads have spent plenty of time mocking me for the number of pictures that I was quite happy to post on my Instagram, but I don't usually wear a suit, guys. So um, I was nicely dappered up and, I, you know, my head was shiny. I was taking advantage of it. Anyway, talk about European football. Bayern Munich for Manchester United 3. Um, it was a strange game, Paul, because for a long time, you know, well, United started quite well. Bayern take the lead through, you know, a horrendous error from Anana. Um, United, I felt like there was a big gap there in quality, but United were always close enough that they were never out of the game. And then there was a farcical end, which sees it end 4-3. Um, you know, I don't, United were missing players. I still feel like if they're at the full complement, they're, they're a little bit way off what Bayern Munich are. But like we were talking about last week, it was a bit of a weird sort of step into European elite football for United because the Premier League so dominant now and European football so damaged it was kind of weird to see where United stood in that and the answer is not miles away from one of the best teams from another country but still not good enough to win or to, or to get a result on the day. Um, what, what did you make of what you saw in Germany? Well I mean I think we have to look at it and say that everyone talks about <clears throat> Bayern Munich being one of the sides that you think can maybe win the tournament that's you know that's that's how everyone's been seen. I think they're up there in the top three of maybe winning it, but I think we all know who the one is. And you know it's 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 not an enjoyable competition as far as I'm concerned. Anyway, the competition for me now is Europa League. That's where you're getting a little bit more competition in that. Mm-hmm. But I think you have to look at United, and I always believed. I, I look at German football now, and German football for me is definitely taking a big step backwards. Big step. When you look at it defensively, there isn't that there isn't that strength there defensively. When you look at the way that um, the players that they're producing midfield-wise, creativity-wise, they haven't got a lot. And it seems like Harry Kane's going to score at least one goal every single game, and it's going out there. But I look at United out against them. I didn't fancy them. I still think that Bayern was slightly better. But like you said, Wayne, United were missing players. We really don't know at this moment in time, would those players have made a difference? Because we don't know with the mixed bag that's going on at this moment in time with players, some players up, some players down. But the, the goal, the, the first goal that, you know, the goal that they conceded hurt, to be perfectly honest, because United were playing reasonably well. I never expected them to play that well when they went out there. And if they had gone in front, you would have thought, oh, this is something, this is going to make a big difference. And it and it went against you know when it went against them and the manner in which it went against them, kind of you saw it just kind of changed a little bit from that little bit of authority and belief. They lost their way in certain ways and and then when you you know Bayern had two you know two very good wide players who made such a difference who United were struggling to deal with in fullback areas. Yeah. Um, yeah, that Paul good. Good summary there. Um, United were closer than what I expected. I know that yeah. you guys were both fairly confident of a 
a, re a result based on the fact that the things that we saw really, Bayern weren't as good defensively like Bayern, uh, like Paul just said. Um, Dave, you know, obviously then you've got the, the way that the game ended and doesn't appear to, like 4-3 doesn't appear to be a true reflection, or maybe it does because of the kamikaze way that the teams were defending and how like nonsensically it became. Um, not, you know, like the Bayern and United games of, of the past, which was sto stoic and hard to sort of read and, you know, those off errors resulted in the, the game and destinies being turned, really. And you didn't get that. You had a lot of sort of free-flowing football and teams making, well, both teams making a lot of mistakes. Um, where do you, I know it's difficult to judge where United are in the sort of bigger picture of European football, but what, what did you make of, of the game in itself? I think <clears throat> I think we started off very well. I really did, you know. Um... Uh, which kind of surprised me because we didn't know what we were going to get coming out of the gate, especially you know Bayern being such a such a big and dominant club, and with Harry Kane in the in the team, you know they're going to score goals. Um, but I th I I think the the first goal, um, uh, and in the manner that we conceded, it had a had had a massive effect on our confidence. Um, you know, there's conceding goals, and then there's conceding goals that that actually concern you. And that first goal, I think. Uh, rattled us you know if, if that had been a you know a 30 yard screamer or a you know a goal from a corner uh, that that's one thing but in the manner that we can see the widow nana basically thrown the ball into the net it, i think it, it it took a big we took a big body blow to our confidence and how well we were playing and that's been a bit of a problem for united over the past year or so is once we can see it we seem to just unless we get back pretty quickly we seem to just collapse um but in the manner that 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 we conceded that goal, I think had a had a bigger effect on us, and then just a regular goal, if that makes sense, because it, we seem yeah. to get rattled in. Um, I don't think you know if you just turned on the TV at, at full time and seen four three, you would have thought, oh my god, I missed a classic. I don't think we missed a anyone missed a classic. I think it was late. It was there was so many errors throughout the game that. Bayern were not really that far off. We're not really that. We weren't that really far off, Bayern. And I know some people were criticizing us at 3 1 down. And even at 3 1, I didn't think that this scoreline reflected the game. I don't think Bayern were, you know, as good as a 3 1 scoreline um, at that time. And then obviously, then we, you know, Casemiro scored and they scored and we scored. I think 4 3 was probably, you know, the right reflection for a game, a one goal difference. But Bayern were by no means far superior to united and um, I, I do believe that we we you know we have a problem with confidence and we have a problem when we go a goal down um and in a manner again as i said that we conceded that goal i think that we took a bigger blow to our confidence and and it knocked us right out of our stride because the defense looked very jittery after that for about 10 minutes or so they were terrified to do anything with the ball so uh, but on reflection of it after the game we weren't that far off and i think we'll give Bayern an even better game when they come to old Trafford. Yeah, I, I do. It's a good point you make about the confidence, and I do wonder if, in a in a roundabout sort of way, that they'll look at that game if they watch it back. Well, I'm sure that they are the, the coaching staff, but if the players properly watch it back, that the there's nothing to be fearful about. Really, I thought for periods of watching that game, there was a big quality gap. But I think on reflection, it was probably more to do with the, the dropped confidence of the United players and just thinking, oh God, here we go again. Instead of just sort of standing up and like, well, we, we started well, why can't we get back into it? And then, you know, you end up thinking, if only they had shown that kind of snarl 
20 minutes earlier in the game in our self-belief because they were there to be got, even with a two-goal gap. And I, I think that's the point where, I, where I'm thinking about with European football as a whole. You know, like, yeah, all right, there's an obvious, like Paul said, there's an obvious one at the top of the tree. And, you know, everyone's finding out. So, like, be that rope. And until that quality gap is fairly addressed, um, that's the way that it's going to be. So it's kind of like, you know, United, it's still within their power. And I, I look at that when I look across the Premier League as a whole. You know, when, when United come against Arsenal and you think, well, they're not, United have got an injury crisis and they're not a mile away from from this quality, really. It looks bad on a week-to-week basis because what you're watching on a week-to-week basis is you're watching United with all their confidence issues and all their injury problems and all the discipline issues that are around the club. So you're seeing all this happening, you're thinking, oh, God, crisis to crisis. But when you see them... One on one, yeah, all right, different different matter with the Liverpool game last season, but on a one on one basis, like with Arsenal, who were the second best team in the country, you think, well, we're not we're not that far away from there, and and there's no excuse once all the the ducks are in order that United on 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 that level, there's no excuse really because they've got the money, they've got you know even even with the ownership, they've still got everything in order to be able to compete with them. Um, anyway, move on to to Burnley, um, Johnny. Says good morning. Good morning, Johnny. Hope you're doing well, mate. He says, nice to hear you're all doing well. Pleased with the Burnley result. Great goal from Bruno. Still not happy with a number of players not tracking back and helping defend Rashford, etc. Well, we'll get on to um, Burnley now. And nice for me before we even start on, and I guess one or two players will get criticism, but start with praise. And on, on nice for him to get a clean sheet and make a couple of good saves in there after the Burnley, after the buying game. I, I don't think there's a problem with him in terms of his self confidence. He tweeted after the game about having, you know, like he, you know, and he obviously came. No, he didn't tweet. He, he came out in the interview, didn't he? And sort of held his hands up and took full responsibility, which I think is nice of a United player to be taking responsibility. But I, I think it's a bit hard when it's the goalkeeper because the goalkeeper is the net result of poor defending and everything like that. It's always harsher on a goalkeeper if they, even a goalkeeper a defender who's the last line. If they make one mistake, then it could be fatal. But he did hold his hands up. He did, like, so say that it was it was his responsibility, and and he, he to his credit, he played with confidence against Burnley, and it was a tough game. We were missing all the entire first choice defence. Johnny Evans has called into place two hundredth game for United, and it's Evans playing as Franz Beckenbauer who, who provides the difference. He hits this long ball, which is magnificently volleyed by Fernandez. A lot of people are comparing it to the Rooney and Van Persie goal. From 2013, uh, what I will say is there was a goal earlier in the season, in that season where Giggs in the FA Cup, Giggs had played the pass to Van Persie, and Van Persie did it on the right, West Ham, and that's what that one reminded me of more than that. Um, fantastic goal! Um, United survived a couple of more injury bumps towards the end of the game. You know, um, Regalon having to come off, and he played fairly well again, having to come off. First of all, moving. Um, and then another well, the defenders came off, didn't they? Was it Lindelof who had to come off? So there was two defenders who had to come off and reposition Amrabat ends up at left-back for his debut, gives a, a free kick away right there. And I'm thinking, this is just United's look, but the, the guy who comes on to play left-back was a holding midfielder, gives a free kick away, and then we end up giving a, um, a goal away. But we didn't, you know. And all right, Burnley, it's a, you know, culture... 
shift for Burnley. They're having to change their entire identity of a club, which is easier to do. Well, not easier, easier to do out of the Championship and catch everyone by surprise and come up in the way that they did. But it's proven very difficult for them to maintain that level in the Premier League. Probably that's what helped United. That they they had something like seventy percent, probably even more than seventy percent possession against United. Um, seventy-two. Yeah. Seventy-two. You know, and that's. That's damning for United, but you know United did have a lot of mitigating circumstances. The players that they were missing, um, and they get a good win. Paul, obviously, a fantastic goal. Um, I, t- I don't know if you can say United were fully deserving of three points, or that it's like the the sign of a a ship turning and that things are going to get massively better. But in that kind of situation, a win's a win, and the, the you know vultures are circling, waiting for United to lose their fourth game in a row. Um, so good character from an under fire squad to pull out a result like that. Did you say a ship? Yeah, yeah, right. Okay, I thought you said something else. You could have said something else there, given how things have been, really. Um, I think, I think the fact that you just go back to one of the bits you just said about 20 seconds ago about that free kick that Amrabat gave, Amrabat gave away. Um, I mean, it was a worry. And I turned around and said, you know, I wondered what he was doing. I mean, that was poor defending his part. Late, yeah. I call that lazy defending. He's gone in with his wrong leg as well. And he's only just come on to put him in that, someone in that position. You're under fire. Who's not, who's not that, who's, who's good at what he does, but he's not an out and out defender. Just seemed really strange that he's, you know, to put him there on his wrong side as well, you know, but I was waiting for that free kick. The goalkeeper comes up and they take a short one. And that summed up Burnley. Burnley reminded me of the first season of when Pep took over. They thought they were suddenly going to become Barcelona within within one day. And they just overplayed, overplayed. And that was a new back four. And they never really tested them with balls in the box. They had a goalkeeper who was ridiculed for a mistake he made in, in the previous game. One who's been questioned on going for crosses when he gave a penalty away that should have been a penalty against Wolves. Yeah. And they didn't put enough balls in there. And it, great. I mean, if you, if you, when you're having a bad time, you need help. Burnley gave help. They passed and passed for the sake of passing. And they looked absolutely fantastic, you can imagine. You know, they walked, I mean, everything about him was like, was perfect. But if you're a Burnley fan and you know Burnley, you know Burnley quite well, What you know, I could imagine some of those fans walking away and what they were saying, you know, when one fan comes up and says, oh, didn't we play lovely football? I'm sure he had a few choice words to say about the reason why he doesn't like choice football when they get beat 1-0 in a game when, in theory, they should have got something from. So that that was a bonus in that sense, that they come up against a team who want to play flippy-flappy. But then when I... You looked at it and you thought, right, you just said Burnley had 70, had 70%, sorry, 72%. And you think to yourself, it doesn't matter who you're missing. Does it, whoever goes in there has to still work hard. And I hate going to it, Wayne. And I've, I've been on it the last few weeks and it, it absolutely is. And now fans now are starting to talk about where fans never really talked about it. They took a win as a win. If they got beat, there was other things. But I think maybe because fans and expects that should never have to talk about anybody working hard because there's an unwritten rule in football, in any sport, in life, 
that you work hard. Yeah. And there's a lot of them not doing it. How many times did you see Hannibal run past players to get back? Yeah. I count I counted ten times in the first half. He ran yeah. back. Not he's not not with him losing the ball, running back because someone else had lost the ball or made a bad pass, but he ran back. That was automatic. Yeah. Straight, that's automatic. That's someone who loves the game, who doesn't want to get beat, who sees a problem, and he's up and back. He's not a holding player who sits there and dollies around. He's a midfield player. And middle of the field, he wants to take part in every area. And he's up and he's back. No different to Fernandes. He's up and he's back. You know, and Casemiro is Casemiro the way he plays. And you're never going to question Casemiro in that sense because you know he's doing he's doing his bit. But you know if United were, in the, were being United, he would be pinnacle in everything that happened with United defensively and going forward in, in the play being set. And you still saw flashes that those early passes he kept, early balls he kept putting in behind, trying to turn Burnley round because they were squeezing up. But there is, and I think you know it, and I put, there is players who are not doing what's written on the can. And it's, bla it's becoming blatantly obvious to people because now all different people now are talking about the work rate of this Manchester United team. And... We saw it a lot in the first half, the way they started. Hannibal, Hoyland and Fernandes were trying to squeeze up to, 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 you know, to really close them down. I'm not using that other word because that's just a new fancy word they've added to something that the game's been doing from day one. Everyone thinks it's a new thing now, but it's not. People have done it to survive. Um, but they're all doing it. One player in particular never done it. Now, people talk about heat, map, heat maps. I think we need a run map. It's, it's just, there's honestly, more movement in a, in, a, in a dormant turtle. It's absolutely, it's terrible. It's, it's embarrassing, Wayne, that I'm talking about somebody who's playing for the biggest club in the world, earning, got maybe the, the biggest contract at the club, but doesn't want to run for his teammates. It should be for himself. And it should be for his teammates. And it should be a thank you to the club and to the fans. One to the fans, local boy doing well. To the club, thank you for giving me something. Thank you for giving me a great contract. And nothing's been given back yet. And it's, it's, and it's poor. It's poor. And the manager should see that because I can see it. Everyone else can see it. And I think now it might be a little sit on the side. Because there's no return at the moment in time. A sit on the side and get a little bit of life out there. Someone who wants to work hard, someone who wants to play every game and prove it needs to be done. Hannibal done it and he's just come in. I mean, but I watched him in the championship and I saw him quite a few times. I've done, done a few championship games last season and I saw and I saw Birmingham, I saw Birmingham last season at Queen's Park Rangers, back end of the season, and his work ethic is incredible. And when every time you read around the championship, because I do read stuff about the lower leagues, about the EFL and the National League, and every club, when they talked about Birmingham City, everybody talked about Hannibal. Yeah. So he'd so he done himself justice in a division below. Because as you know, Wayne and Dave, if he'd have gone to Birmingham and been on Manchester United, everyone would have hit him. Yeah. Everyone would have hit him straight away. Couldn't wait to get to him. 
but he had to earn he had to earn respect and he definitely had respect in that division and you can see why he got that and if you can go and earn respect in a championship you come into that division you're going to you're going to go and you're going to prove a point and he's proven a point at this moment in time yeah just before i move on to dave what did you make of that i mean you talked about the work rate and i think that's something that's definitely been leveled as a squad in general over the last few games certainly against brighton um that's what i think even though like there were concerns like you're going to put johnny evans and and the hannibal in i felt that that was probably a good thing because they have been reared on that throughout the entire club and so they're going to know that that's the base standard and yeah you would I, I did actually tweet to the effect of that's a good thing for having McTominay in as well, even though McTominay didn't really play well. Theoretically, it's a good thing for Rashford because he's been through the same system, but particularly with Evans and Annabelle because they were the, probably the star players for United. Um, and Fernandez can't really dispute what Fernandez did. And, you know, I thought Casemiro had probably his best game of the season as well. Um, but Evans obviously playing the pass. Um, you've obviously you've said something nice there about Annabelle's work rate, but what about Evans to come in 200th game? Oh, he said it was one of the best nights of his life. And I think all of us, when when he was re-signed, probably not expecting very much, not expecting to be brutally honest, that standard of performance from him. So credit where credit's due, right, Paul? I mean, that is you expect him to defend well, hopefully. But to pull out a pass like that as well, um, to, to change the game was fantastic. It was, and first of all, you had a you had you had a lad playing on the left side of left side of defence, right footed, and he's used his left foot to pass an incredible ball. There's an England yeah. centre half who plays on the left side most of his career who won't kick the ball with his left foot, who can't open up himself up to strike a ball like that, and that's the difference. You can, you know, that's the difference with Johnny Evans going there. One, his headers, one, all his headers clean in both winning headers in the opponent's box as well. Um, got the ball done, done well with it, moved the ball very, very quickly. And if you're going to go to Burnley, you want people you know who are willing to go for a fight. There's no better person maybe than Johnny Evans when you look for that. His background, everything he's from, <laughs> everything about him says that he's going to fight because he's proud, he's proud to be a Manchester United player again. But yeah. that, that was the big difference. And there's a lot of players who should look at that. And I'm sure there was players when he turned up who were looking at him going, well, what, what are you doing here? He, he showed them why he was there. And yeah. when you look at it, I'm glad that the manager, I saw Varane on the bench and I'm glad that he didn't play Varane now against Burnley because yeah. you needed a bit of resilience in that game. You know, you didn't need someone who you worried that might break down after two minutes because the going's getting tough. And he got better and better. Hannibal was exactly exactly the same. Scott McTominay ran around. But like you say, he knows about those games. He would have played against, you know, been in those kind of games, but even as a young boy. And after watching all those games at the cliff and watching a few games when when, the, when it was the A and B team, when they used to go and play games away, everybody at that level still wants to beat Manchester United. So there is fight in them all. I'll be honest, I think Highland done quite well in that situation. Yeah. With what with the scraps that he got, mm-hmm. he was still he was still having a go. I will say that he still need he still needs to understand not to go down too easy. He went down a few times. And he it does when you're that big, that bigger, you look silly when you go down when you're trying to con a referee. It looks terrible. Yeah. He looks he looks you know, he looks like reality TV acting. He looked terrible. But his general game was very good and Balls are going into him. He's trying to hold the ball up. And I haven't seen that since Sparky left. 
And we've got to remember he's 20 years of age. We all know that when he does have a, a bit of not a good game that the press are going to pick up on the fact of they're going to mention um, Haaland and they're going to mention his price. And they, they're not really getting it at this moment in time of Ernie's age. He's playing for the biggest club in the country and it's difficult and he's doing okay. And he, he will improve. The quicker the team improve, it's going to hasten his actual... He's actually him getting better and better as well. Yeah, he's um, at least the, the good thing is that he's off the mark, um, scoring in the Champions League with yep. the first goal the other night. Um, Devo, um, considering the circumstances, it's probably um, the best way to say, to preface that, but to say that it was a good win at Burnley, a good one, because people are saying, like, you know, look how the mighty have fallen celebrating a win like that, um, especially having like, a quarter of the ball, effectively. Um, but I think anyone who understands the plight that United are in, you know, like it's not just injury crisis, it's a massive confidence crisis and the knives are out from everyone. People are waiting for... Every... I mean, there was a guy who... I mean, we can criticise Sear and criticise Rashford. I think we do it fairly um, when he doesn't play well and we praise him when he does play well. But there was a guy on Twitter who set up a notepad on his phone and he was... Um, documenting every mistake that he like every single mistake that he made, and I'm like, well, every single player makes mistakes. Nobody has a, a perfect game. Um, but I mean, considering that kind of, of attention that's out for uh, the players, you can understand why. And, and, you know, like you can see how much it's getting to them. You know, Harry Maguire's mum coming out a few weeks ago and, and defending him. You know, like. I know that, I mean, yeah, all right, your, your opinion on that side. What I mean is the pressure is obviously getting to the circles of the families and um, so it demands a certain level of performance and United, United's players who went out there on Saturday night, 8pm kickoff time at Burnley, um, stood up to be counted. Yeah, I mean, listen. Let's let's not let's not forget one thing here. That even though Burnley had only picked up, I think, one point before that game, it was their game of the season. It really was, and and no one knows that better than than anyone than Paul about Manchester United coming into town. It's it's their biggest game of the season. Everyone raises their game against United. I say this, you know, often enough. Manchester United winning the league is a bigger achievement than most other teams winning the league because everyone plays that that little bit harder that runs that little bit you know faster and gives that little bit more when united come to town so we shouldn't underestimate how big of a win that was against burnley because this could have kick-started their season some way you know um a mini revival for them so beating manchester united and, and as, as we know they had over 70 percent of the possession they were there to win that game um so for me i thought it was a fantastic win regardless of where burnley are in the league we have the tendency to go to these places now the past couple of years and basically implode and um, i thought i thought a couple of players really stood out jenny evans to me was just up picture the scene all of your mates around you've got your mcnugget share boxes ready to go partner this with your team playing champagne football perfect order mcdelivery now on the mcdonald's app there's nothing quite like a mcdelivery at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com the TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. 
If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's going to be fantastic. And when I, seen his, uh, when I seen his name on the team sheet, to me, I instantly thought that that's the best thing that we could have done tonight. Because if anyone's going to stick their foot, their head or whatever into, into a challenge, it's going to be Johnny Evans. Because he, he's been brought up that way with Manchester United. We've got too many players, and not just at United, but we've got too many players playing in the Premier League now that are just going through the motions. Um, and, and they get away with it week in and week out because every now and then there's a flash of brilliance and all of a sudden that guy is worth just 200 grand a week. Um, I did think Marcus Rashford was poor. Um, I think he's been very poor this season. Uh, I think his goals last season, you know, uh, covered up a lot of the uh, uh, the lack of work that he was that he was doing. And now the goals have dried up. I know we got one against Arsenal. The last couple of games, the goals have dried up. As Paul said, people are starting to point it out now. They're starting to see the obvious. That, that Rashford just doesn't put in a stint. Um, and it's mind-blowing how he stays on the pitch. It really is. I, I don't understand it. Um, maybe it's a good management from Ten Hag to try and play him through this bad period. And there's times when we say, you know, a player will only improve if he plays. Uh, but but that's the golden rule that I, that I have with Garnaccio. A player only improves when he plays. Uh, we I know myself and, and Paul, we had this conversation a few weeks back. And Paul rightly pointed out that any games that Garnaccio has started hasn't he hasn't really had an impact. Um, but I think you know I think if he starts more games, he starts to have more of an impact. I just it was kind of baffling that that Rashford stayed on again. Um, it really was. But I mean, if, when you have someone like you know McTominay as well running around, and he he didn't do a lot, but he did a lot of running, and and we needed that. We needed players doing a lot of running against Burnley. Um, but I really like Hoyland. I really do. He just offers us something different up there. He wants the ball. He works for it. He's trying things. He's trying to get into positions. He got into a few positions. I mean, that cross that came in, I think, from Fernandez that just whipped across that he just he was that one second too late. Or um those are the those are the things we haven't seen of a Manchester United forward in in a while, getting into those positions. Um and and you know, he he, he got the monkey off his back as they say last week against Bayern um, and that goal, I think that'll take a lot of pressure off him. Uh, he, he's been unfortunate with, with the other one that got disallowed. Um, and the Johnny Evans, you know, the only thing that could have that could have topped it off the other night was Johnny Evans' goal being allowed. Yeah. Uh, was it offside? I mean, if you're going by the letter of the law, it was offside. But then we look at the City game a few weeks back and that was given as a goal. And the, the guy was like at least a yard offside. Um, but all in all, I think I think you know. Although we didn't have much of the ball, um, I think it was a very very good win. And you know, we've got we got Palace, we got Brentford at home. The next two home games, we got Sheffield United away. There's no reason why we can't go on a mini run. You know, City being our biggest game now coming up at the end of October. That's no disrespect to Palace or Brentford because they're going to come to Old Trafford want to win those games. Um, but I think the next three league games are winnable. Uh, and I, I think you're right about, you know, uh, the, the kudos I'll give to Onana was that he could have collapsed after after the Bayern game, but he didn't. Um, and he pulled off a few very, very good saves. And he, as, as Johnny had said there, you know, maybe he is the type of character we need. You know, he, he I mean, I love Fabian Barthez, but there was times where I thought, how does this guy even think he's a goalkeeper? 
Um, and then the next week he goes out and he pulls up a worldie and you're thinking, okay, I forgive him again. Um, I, I like him for that. Uh, but it's it's a little bit, you know, heart-stopping every time now. Uh, he's he's a very different goalkeeper from his shot-stopping. He, he likes to, for me, he likes to do the flash, you know, dive up into the air and palm it away and, um, but a lot of a lot of goalkeepers that play in Italy seem to seem to learn that over there as well. That you know, flash is better. Um, but all in all, when the lineup came out, my first instinct was our bench is better than our lineup because yeah. we had on paper it was. Uh, but after the game, I mean, and this is another thing that baffles me. Um, I, I'm not taking that away from Bruno Fernandez, but there was no way Bruno Fernandez was man of the match today. It was Johnny Evans all day long. It really was. Um, Fernandez and, and, did give Evans the award, didn't he? So, yeah, but the award he that, that's like you know, that's like going to your club presentation, not winning a trophy, and your parents buying you a medal on the way home. I mean, come on. Um, it, it, Johnny Evans was definitely man of the match, he had an absolutely fantastic game. Um, and and you know, maybe he'll he'll remain in the team. It's a tricky one at Palace uh, tomorrow night. Um, maybe he'll remain in the team for that. He's he's obviously not going to be our first choice, uh, but he's not a he's not a bad backup. And when we signed Evans, um, even though when he left Manchester United all those years ago, I was I was you know I thought it was the right thing. He wasn't he just wasn't pulling up any trees. Then he went off and he actually took it up a level, um, and he went on to win the league with Leicester. And I, I equate that to to Harry Maguire. I think Harry Maguire is a very good defender. I just don't think he's a very good defender at Manchester United. And I think Harry Maguire leaving Manchester United would take him up another level again. Um, and then, you know, five years' time, we'll buy him back for 200 million. So, you know. <laughs> um, but now I, I thought it was a great win tonight, you know, because, like I said, Manchester United coming to town is always the biggest show. And, and these teams raise their games. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Dave, oh, he just mentioned about VAR there. Let's have our weekly VAR debate, Paul. Um, <laughs> One of the things Dave is fond of saying is these things level themselves out over a season. So we, we got the Anana one. And ever since then, ever since the last minute of the Wolves game, it's just been a crescendo of like a cavalcade of terrible VAR like um, awards with everything's gone against us. There was the penalty the other night against Ericsson, which, you know, was punished for not on ball, for having arms. For the fact that he's got arms on the side of his body, we gave a penalty away, which has been the case. Uh, it's just been United's look. It's been terrible. Um, I think I said somewhere else, um, you know, the, the saying is, if you can't be good, be lucky. Well, United have been bad and unlucky. I mean, they couldn't catch a break for anything like, for all of the games, apart from the Wolves game, they've just been, there's been a major call in there that's just been ridiculous. I mean, the closest thing that's, been a fair one has been the one against Brighton with the ball going out of play but all the other ones have been like desperately harsh and not so much that I'm bothered that the the harshness of Evans's goal because I think maybe you know the letter of the law is the players offside but it's not to do with whether it's right or wrong it's to do with the ridiculous inconsistency the fact that yeah. that goal a few weeks ago counts for Man City the exact thing the the penalty that we don't get at Spurs the same player does the same thing at Arsenal and they get a penalty for it it's I'm, I'm, It's not about this isn't a point about United 
Although United have suffered after the Wolves one, and the the Wolves one was an error as well. I'm not saying that we that that wasn't a penalty. It was a penalty. I thought it should have been a penalty, and I don't think we should have won the game. Well, maybe Anana would have saved it, um, and that might have changed his entire season. Well, you never know. Um, might have changed the way that he started the season. But the point is, you know, we've had that one. VAR errors in every single game. Uh, Maybe it wasn't an error as such with the Evans goal, but it was an inconsistency of the the law being applied yet again. And if the referees don't know, and we had, and I said this a few weeks ago, and people say, oh, well, you must vote Donald Trump then. Because I'd said something about Mike, when Mike Dean came out and said, um, <laughs> sorry, my impersonations are not great, but I'm impersonating a tweet there, not an accent, so I don't know what he sounds like. <laughs> Probably as dumb as that. Um, but the which is the meanest thing I've ever said on this podcast. I'm sorry, you're probably not dumb, just associating me with it being a Trump supporter. Anyway, rambling. The point is that Mike Dean came out and he basically said that he changed. Well, he, he made a decision when he was the VAR to make sure that his, his mate didn't get into any trouble. And we talked about on this podcast how worrying and how concerning that was for the integrity of the game. And we've already seen it, like I've said this week, we've seen two identical positions for United over the last few weeks that have been replayed in other games and those decisions have gone the other way. Paul, what's going on and how do they rectify it? Because it's gonna, it's, the, the competition is a farce anyway. Because Sorry, you looked at your watch then. <laughs> oh, no, no, sorry. It's just, no, watch it, no, no, my watch just buzzed. It just buzzed. <laughs> no. All right. Yeah. I'll wrap it up. <laughs> yeah. no, you know the point I'm making. Like, yeah, so, I do, right. The, go the on, thing, go the, on. Thing, the thing of my bit, though, is that who decides, who's, who's actually come out? I want to... If it's been an ex-player, we need to know who the ex-player is who's actually come out and said, arms being in these kind of positions. What, yeah. what is the best, what is the positions? So when I when the one against um, Tottenham with Fernandes against um, Romero, I turned around, I didn't think it was a penalty because he's diving in. And when you dive in, you kind of, you've got one, you, you're virtually going down, so you've got one arm going down and the other arm's up there. Because I think in a way you're kind of thinking about protecting your face, but you don't. Yeah. Get, you can never get. But you're there, so you're going down like that. And then he's and that was and that wasn't given a penalty. And I thought that was right. And exactly the same. And the same player, but closer to the goal. The player's closer yeah. as well. I turn around and say to myself, "That's not handball because his arms are in a natural position." I mean, yeah. there's no there's no such thing as diving for the ball with your arms behind your back because you will dislocate something, you might break a wrist when you land. It's impossible. You can't do it. For that point, God, he's going to shoot. I use that word God because anything else, I would have sworn it wouldn't have come across well. But it's just, you're going out and you're going to go, and you're going there. You're, you're, that's, that's, that's your movement. That's, that's your movement. And But it has to, as far as I'm concerned, go back to deliberate. Deliberate yeah. handball. That, that's not deliberate. That is that is ridiculous. If you can get yeah. your arms back there, I would applaud you. I would do, because all you've done really, yes, you, your 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 body's in, your body's of the size it is. That's made your body big doing that, but that's a natural position, and plus it's a safety position for when you hit the floor. 
So when I look at the Ericsson one, how was that? I don't even get the Ericsson one being given a penalty. Yeah. I like to believe that wouldn't be given here because his arms are, he was on the, he's seen the ball and he's kind of lifting to jump. He wasn't trying to jump like that because we would all okay. abuse Christian Eriksen if he put his arms behind his back and tried to jump. Exactly. So it's absolutely madness what's going on. And the fact of that we've got a different rule here to the one over, overseas is absolute madness. Why? At one point, I was saying, why aren't we changing this one? Oh, it hasn't changed in UEFA. UEFA got to do that. And I think to myself, why then are we got a different rule to UEFA yet we're playing in the UEFA tournament? Yeah. So yeah. it doesn't. So we're we're not prepared for those those kind of rulings. It's absolute madness that is going on. You know, there's been this the wrong decisions. We're getting more problems. It was easy before VAR to lose a game, and we have we blame the referee, and we always ends up after maybe the seventh pint and fifth shot that we're trying to say, well, the referee's human, he's going to make mistakes. Now people go on and on. And it's made the game worse, by the way. It's made the game quite unenjoyable. Well, it is unenjoyable, to be perfectly honest. They're on about pulling, you know, when you see people moaning, you see the championship referees are shocking. Shocking. And they're, they're talking about bringing it down now. They can't bring it down there. Because it'll, it'll get even worse if you get those people and you give them the opportunity to sit behind and use a cursor to go back and forth. It's the whole thing is a debacle, to be perfectly honest. I've got in a habit, by the way. It is ten o'clock with Wayne and Dave, and at eleven thirty, I'm watching Ref Watch. If I'm not watching it, I've got it recorded because I want to hear Dermot Gallagher's thing. I'm not bothered yeah. about the other. I'm not bothered about the other people around. I just want to see what Dermot says and to. Today is going to be very, very interesting. Yeah. What he, what he is going to say, what's going on, and I mean, it is, it is ridiculous. Johnny Evans, for me, it was a goal. It was a goal. You look at the reactions of the players, and that says to you it was a goal. But after everything now, every time a goal is or something's not going for you, you're turning around and you're seeing everybody asking the referee. Go and have a look at it. Okay. Is someone coming to you that? And the, and the referee's getting involved in the conversation. I say to the referee, don't talk to them. It's got nothing to do with them. You're only meant to be talking to the captain. But every time anything, a decision, it's virtually now that people want to say, oh, is anyone watching it? Have they seen it again? You think so? Football was subjective before. The subjective sport. And now it's just becoming like an open book now at this moment in time. It didn't, it, if, same as the goal line technology, which was brilliant. Certain bits should have been brought in at different times. It's all brought it all into into the house all at once, and now you can't kick out you can't kick out certain things anymore. Some of these rulings that you can look at, oh, we can't look at that because that hasn't happened and that hasn't happened. So we've got to wait for a domino effect to get an answer at the end. Yeah. yeah. You know, if someone oh oh he's just punched him. Oh no, but that happened before, so I can't. I can't do anything about that. But he's broke his nose and they're carrying him off the pitch. Oh, it doesn't matter. Madness. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is. It that, is. That, was, that was my that was my impersonation of a Wayne Rant. Well, you know, it's not yeah, as but that's good. I, my I phone went off. Uh, my watch went off there. <laughs> I was gonna say I, I never checked my watch, but then again, I'm not waiting to end the call so we can all go and watch Dermot Gallagher. <laughs> <laughs> Just, but now I know why you checked because you're like, oh, Wayne's on one. How long is this one? <laughs> I get it. Um, 
Anyway, nothing much left to rant about, but we will preview the um, two games that we've got coming up against Palace, um, Carabao Cup and then the league. Um, a mixed start for Palace, but very much a sort of Crystal Palace start to the season. They win at Sheffield United, lose to Arsenal, draw with Brentford, win against Wolves, lose against Villa, draw on to Fulham. I was at Palace. I was at Palace on Saturday before I'd done the United game. And what did you make of them? Um, no width. They missed Zaha and Elise, who's out with a recurrence of his hamstring. Um, Oswald, the cent- is it Oswald? Is what Oswald, isn't it? The centre forward. Have I got yeah. that wrong? Oswald, yeah. Um, no. Um, the two centre halves were easy. Diop, it was easy. Never. They they took him off. Mateta is a massive problem. His body shape, awkwardness, the fact he doesn't know what he's going to do next caused more problems in 15 minutes than Oswald did for, for the previous hour and hour and 15 minutes. Um, defensively, um, Gahey, good centre-half. Really, really good centre-half. Anderson, very physical, good pairing. Full-backs, um, I, would like, I would really like to believe if Marcus Wright Marcus, Marcus um, Rashford is playing and he should be playing, but he's going to run Joe Ward ragged all day long. All day long because Joe Ward is just a full-back from era before. Honest, solid, coming up to 400 games for his for, um, for Crystal Palace. Should outrun him all day long. Midfield, they rely on Eze, over-rely on him because he's got nothing else creativity-wise. Ayu is busy causes problems in tight areas. Manchester United should still win that game against Crystal Palace, but United have problems with Crystal Palace at Old Trafford. Yeah, nicely something. Dave, do you have anything? Well, you, have some, you haven't been to watch Palace, unfortunately, so you can't give anywhere near as expert opinion as that. But, I mean, the two games that we've got coming up, um, yeah, like Paul said, the pro- problems that they've got in terms of the creativity should make it a... Um, an easier afternoon for our defence, at least. Um, we don't know what the issues are with Regalon and so on. But it makes it um, an interesting week in terms of what do they do with the Carabao Cup because we know we know with Tenog that he doesn't take these things lightly. But this is the defence of the competition that he won. We can't sniff it. This may be the only avenue that we've got of winning a trophy this season. So, you know, he's not going to want to take that lightly, but he's going to have to rotate this squad at this moment in time. Um, how does he make changes to keep that fresh, considering we're so thin on the ground with players? Uh, <clears throat> before I talk about that, Paul, when you're, when you're watching um, when you're watching a ref watch later on, have you seen the penalty uh, that, that Luton got against Wolves? Yeah, so I forgot. Do you know what? I forgot that one. Yeah, I absolutely. I watched that twice last night. I watched that twice because I heard about it and I saw Gary O'Neill's bit. And yeah, sorry. I mean that that was embarrassing. That was absolutely embarrassing. It, it just. But that was, a, but it, that was it, a ref. That was sorry, sorry, Dave. That was a referee. That was only his second game, and you could see in his face the way he refereed that game. And I just saw the highlights, and you could just see. He had nothing. He had no personality. He was just like, "I'm here. What do I do next?" If I mean, if 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 ever we can use an example of why that rule is absolutely ridiculous, that's what we should be pitching it on, and that's what we should be bringing to the FA and go. If you're calling this a penalty just because it hit his hand, 
Um, well, then that would all make no sense. So, yeah, I'd be interested to hear what he says about that one because that was a farce. Um, Crystal Palace, yeah, I mean, so, I mean, I, I think after the presser on on, uh, on the game, the uh, uh, he did hint that Garnaccio would more than likely start against Crystal Palace on Tuesday. So, uh, if, if I, and I don't watch a lot of Palace, so <coughs> if, um, if their full backs are, are as, you know, uh, I won't use the word weak, but if they can be got at, I think Garnaccio is the man to get at them. So I'd love to see Garnaccio come in. Um, I'd definitely love to see Hoyland start still. I want to see him in there. Um, and, on the, you know, Armabad is, is another one that we should bring in, which which I believe he will. Um, and I would stick with Johnny Evans. I really would. Um, what's the point in, in risking Varane? And unless we have to. Um, I'd rather keep Varane for, for the league game because uh, the three points is more important than the cup run um, at this moment in time, uh, even though, you know, we are the current holders. I still think we're going to have enough of the tank to beat Palace. But the big game is obviously next weekend uh, against Palace in the league. Uh, but I, I do think he will make a lot of changes. And I definitely would like to see Hannibal uh, retain his place. I think he will. Uh, but then again, he may be looking at him for the Palace game at the weekend. And you know, not risking him at all because uh, that's you know it's a lot in in seven days for for a player just breaking into the team. But I definitely want to see Garnaccio. I want to see Garnaccio and Hoyland again. I think their their um, uh, cameo role there a few weeks back was was pretty good. They, they seem to be on the same wavelength, um, and I really want to see that. I really want to. I definitely want to see Hoyland starting. I don't want to see Martial on that pitch. He's. I know we 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 criticised Marcus Rashford for his lack of running. Uh, back, but Martial just brings the whole team down. I, I think the players know it. I think the players, Paul has mentioned this before about players in the dressing room, they can just sniff out a player that just doesn't want to be there. And, and Martial just doesn't want to be at Manchester United. It's very, very, very obvious. And um, I think Ericsson will come back in as well. Uh, he may drop Casemiro as well, you know, to keep him fresh for the weekend. But there's absolutely no reason, even with those changes, that we can't. Uh, but I want to see Garnaccio. I want to see him playing against Palace. I want to see him go with those defenders. And I think it'll be a good cup game. Um, and I'm looking forward to it. But obviously, the big one is the weekend. It really is. Uh, I want to see all three points. And like I said, this is a, a period of three games in a row where we should be picking up maximum points. Um, but yeah, looking forward to two games against Palace. You know, I agree with Paul. I think once they, once they sell Zaha, it, it took a massive, you know, avenue out of that team. Um, and they don't have much width. We don't have much width either. So the centre of the park is going to be where everything happens. So, uh, But, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, Regulon, you know, I really hope he's he's fit for the weekend. Uh, Paul, i got a question for you. Based on his form now as, as a full-back, would you would – you, uh, is it too early to make this call? Would you, would you, would you put a bid in and, and buy this guy? Because we tried to buy him in the past. And I think yeah. me personally, I think he's been – it could be argued he's been our best player since he's come in. He really has. He's been so consistent. And he wants to play. You know, Ten Hag said at the weekend that he was sick and ill and he didn't cry off. He said, no, I want to play. I want to play. I just hope that hamstring injury isn't as bad as, as it looked when he was limping off. So, would you would you buy him at this point? Um, you don't want to jump in too quick, but when you see that much enthusiasm and zest when he goes forward, there's a bounce in his game. The end product hasn't been there, but... You know, not everyone's not everyone's blessed with that all the time, are they? But he's but you you can see there's enthusiasm. He gets up and back. He wants to get up and back, which is a 
added bonus. You look at it, Molassi, you're not hearing about Molassi, don't know how long he how long he's out for. He's but he's a different kind of left back to Malassia. He definitely plays with more energy. I would I would take a punt on him if the money if the money was right. But then if you're Tottenham, are you going to sell that easily? So even a player you don't want, are you going to sell him that easy to, to Manchester United? The answer to that is no, I very much doubt it because we are talking about Daniel Levy. But yes, I, I certainly would on that point, just by the fact of he's, he actually want, he's, showing, he's on loan and he, things aren't going well, but yet he's playing like someone who really wants to be there. Yeah. yeah. I think that's the big plus for me is that you know, he gets up and down. He's not afraid of a tackle. And, and he, you know, I know he was arguing with the ref um, at the weekend for that tackle on Casemiro, I think it was. Um, and that, to me, just showed that, you know, he wants to be there. He wants to be, he, he, he wants to be in that team. He's playing to, to be in that team. Um, and I think, I think when Luke Shaw comes back, he's, he's got a bit of a fight on his hand to get back into that left-back position. Yeah, that's well, but we are looking at Martinez at the moment. He's missing more games. I mean, I never, I thought the man was made of conquering, yeah. you know. But at the moment, he's now he's he missed he missed a game at the weekend. And if Luke Shaw was to come back, you'd maybe look at Luke Shaw on the left hand side of that defence. Then you have got Johnny Evans. You can put him on the left hand side to make long raking passes for you as well. So at the moment, there's an abundance on that left hand side. Really, not many teams can say that. The rest of it, that's another story. But we just talk about the left at the moment. Um, Wayne, before well, we move on, though, I'm yeah. sorry, I got one more question for Paul. Um, yeah. We've been riddled with injuries um, this past season, and last season we weren't really, we didn't have the best of luck. We seem to have a lot of muscular injuries. Is is this just bad luck? Um, in you know, when you're experienced, you know, as a professional footballer for you know well over a decade, um, could it be a medical team? Team? Could it be? I mean, are we just talking bad luck here? I think we took, yeah, you are talking bad luck and then you're talking as well the mental strength of the players as well. That's how you've got to look at it as well. You can have all these physios, but they're only going to, they can only go with what, what they know and then they get to a point, well, I can't, I, I really don't know how, what you're feeling. That's the one thing they can't feel what that player's feeling. So they've got to hope in a way that certainly this, this player's being honest and just hope that his thresholds, his, you know, he's, what he feels isn't, you know, isn't going to affect him. But if the player's one of them in his head and he feels something and he says, I'm not fit enough to play, then they've got, they've got to go with that. And then they've got to tell the manager, the manager in today's football can't fight against anything, can't, can't, can't really get involved. All he can do is ask his physio and he's, then he's got to look at the player. And it is every, every player is an individual and that's how you have to you have to virtually treat them as an individual nowadays. Where before it was collective, and you just put people out there, but you can't do that anymore because you get what's you get what you read in the papers now. Everyone starts now, you know the get the little stories coming out when in fact really they're not just people taking punts that there might be something rather than you know rather than there is. And that's what's happening with Manchester United at the moment. There's all that's always going to happen when anything. When you get the club like United, of course, but you get people, you get players who are not having a good time. They might have had a problem. They're going to speak to people because it's, that's what you do. It's human nature because you're not happy. Then that someone's going to turn around and then tell 
a friend of a friend is not happy because it's to, because they then they're using that because I know this player and he's at Manchester United, so it's a big story for them. I mean, it's all like Chinese whispers in a way, yeah. and it gets to somebody, they write it down, pull it out there, and that's it. And that's why you end up, and it comes a big drama, and it turns into a, an incredible story, almost like a film, because it's Manchester United. Yeah. Well, we'll be back to discuss the next instalment in that film series next week. Um, I know Dave is a big fan of my stats. Paul is too really, so he is a little anomaly for you. Can't wait. Well, <laughs> we played Arsenal. Then we played, who did we play after Arsenal? Brighton. So Brighton, Bayern, Burnley, Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace is alphabetically going on. Copenhagen. And then Brentford are going to ruin it by going back to B. But we'll be back to talk about Copenhagen and Brentford ruining that sequence. What, Dave? What? I thought you were going to say, you know, the first letters of all those is is, is my crush at school. I don't know. I, I don't know what to expect when you come up with these stats. <laughs> I was going down the alphabet. It was it was not really oh, a okay. It was a trend. Uh, it was a trend. I can't wait to play Zimbabwe. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not quite as good as Dave's. No, no, no. It was 72.1% possession. <laughs> anyway, we'll be back next week. If you've enjoyed watching, um, give us a like and subscribe. If you've enjoyed listening back on the audio podcast, if you can subscribe and leave a review on the platform you're listening on, we'll be back to um, address that um, alphabetical trend next week with uh, previews of the Copenhagen and Brentford games. Until then, stay safe, stay well, and let's get Paul off to watch Dermot. <laughs> the TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.